Welcome to Hop To It. Hey, Trey. Hi, Nay. Are you ready? Ready for what? To pack our house, take our dog, and hop in the car. We got a car. Don't worry about it. It's time to go. Let's go explore and find a new city to call home. Because we're Nay and Trey. The alchemist and the shaman. And it's time for us to hop hop to to it. it. I think there's something strange going on in Santa Fe. Yes, there is. And we have to talk about it. In this episode, we reveal the mysterious underbelly of Santa Fe from its ghostly vibe to its energy vortexes and labyrinths. And we take you on a tour of the most important pilgrimage site in the United States. I have never lived in a desert before. Seems like everything in Santa Fe is kind of dead and lifeless. The trees don't have their leaves and the air smells like a dusty bookshelf. I can get used to this, but I'm going to need some lotion for my skin. (laughs) It places the lotion in the basket. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. That's an old reference, but I hope hope you all get it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, with some fava beans. There is something kind of ghostly about this place. There's no doubt about that. For example, the other day I was taking a walk along the Asequia Trail right outside our apartment and it runs behind the Fairview Cemetery. I noticed that there is a long concrete wall which divides the front or street facing side of the cemetery from the rear trail side of the cemetery The whole back section tray is completely unmaintained and there are old crumbling gravestones there dating from the 1800s. You can walk right in. There's no fencing. It is the weirdest thing I have ever seen. Like, why aren't they maintaining the rear of the cemetery? Yeah, (laughs) that was a pretty strange one. And I really, I noticed that cemetery while we were driving. I just didn't realize it was so close to the house. Like when we're walking and Usually something like that might creep me out like a cemetery. Um, But here the cemetery seems quite appropriate. Yeah. I have a certain feel around cemeteries myself. Like I don't get the same feeling here that I normally have around cemeteries, which is a strong feeling of reverence and kind of like keep out. Right. I don't even walk over the caskets that might be buried there. But here I don't have that barrier. I don't know. Yeah, it just feels like a natural part of Santa Fe. Like, I'm really drawn to cemeteries. I always have been. In fact, when I was a kid, I celebrated more than one birthday in a cemetery. What? Even as like a small child in Jamestown, I celebrated like, I don't know, probably my eight-year-old birthday in the Jamestown Cemetery. Hmm. And then when I was 15, I got a whole bunch of friends to go to the Boulder Cemetery. And we got completely wasted. (laughs) (laughs) so it wasn't very reverent Mm. nobody was trying not to stand on graves at that time so (laughs) (laughs) i'm sitting here thinking candy skulls or something you're like no yeah we were drinking everclear and Mm kool-aid i would never do that now but (laughs) 15 it was really fun sorry mom (laughs) no i don't know where my thoughts about a cemetery came from actually like Yours sound way more fun than mine. (laughs) (laughs) I just have this like something strong in me, right? But I noticed another cemetery by one of the grocery stores we stopped at. Yeah. 
And it was just full. Like it just caught my eye because it was so full of just rows of white headstones. Like it's not something I see a lot. It's kind of rare. Like I've seen one that packed in a couple places, one in Queens um, in New York and then the other in the Ar- yeah. Arlington Cemetery. Yeah. These are all military cemeteries, right? So oh, when you yeah. have like those long rows of just white headstones that's going to be your military cemetery and that one was so big and imposing it was just like on this hill overlooking suburban santa fe yeah that's the one (laughs) and i think the vibe on that one was a lot different than the one behind our house yeah it's not every city that cemeteries are so prominent it seems like a lot of them have them more tucked away more discreet maybe the thing that inspires the reverence that you have it's like oh this is like sacred you know earth whereas here it was just like no this is a cemetery it's in the middle of town (laughs) we don't even maintain the back side of the cemetery because you know death is death yeah or they got too full (laughs) something happened (laughs) Uh, and i never thought about that with cemeteries like some towns being kind of more have more respect for them now i'm sure it's not related to the cemeteries but I am surprised that I'm not seeing a lot of people walking around, like no one walking around. Now I am exaggerating, but it's a bit strange that so few people are on the sidewalks. Now I'm trying to chalk it up to being a desert thing, but mm-hmm. hmm. I mean, it's definitely related to the cemeteries because it's a ghost town out here. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. True. I mean, there are definitely people out. The plaza, for example, very full of tourists, very full of people. But, you know, we're living here in normal area of Santa Fe and nobody's out. Yeah. We have this trail. It's rare to cross people on the trail. I mean, a few here and there. And the thing that really strikes me is we have these two beautiful parks near our house. Yes. And I go to them and they're complete ghost towns, the ghost town parks, ghost town trails. It's just like a lot of emptiness and people are not anywhere to be found. So, you know, there are spots where people congregate. So we know someone lives here and they're not all ghosts. Right. There should be about 80,000 people in Santa Fe, but they all seem to be asleep during the day. Or at least that's what our neighbor says. Everyone's working during the day. So that that's... But something doesn't add up. Yeah. That's just not enough people. Like, not even enough traffic for 80,000 people. Where do they all go? Where are you? <laughs> Santa Feans, come back to the streets. Yeah. How are we going to find anything else about the city if we don't run into anybody else? Amen. And you know what's really funny? Is sometimes we're walking and we'll see somebody kind of approaching and then they disappear. That has happened. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's happened more than once. I'm like, oh, yeah, they'll be walking. Hey, where do they go? <laughs> <laughs> so we have the vampires in slow, the ghosts yes. of Santa Fe, the werewolves, werewolves. in Lambertville. Yes. <laughs> you remember, yeah, the <laughs> werewolves in Lambertville. That's the city in New Jersey. Yep. So, yep. It's growing. We're taking a map of the supernatural. United States. Yeah, there yes. you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I guess it could have something more to do with the weird weather in Santa Fe. That might be why people aren't out Mm. because it's true. You really don't know what you're going to get. I've had it be freezing one moment, like blowing cold, icy wind. And then all of a sudden it's hot as hell and the sun is like trying to kill you. Yeah. (laughs) And then suddenly there's a dust storm blowing in over the hills. 
you know, getting dirt into your teeth. So right. it's a little chaotic out there. I'm saying Santa Fe is straight out of a Mad Max movie. Like <laughs> you got these huge mesas all around while you're driving, dust storms covering everything and that brown layer of like almost silt. Yeah. And best of all, rusted metal at every turn. <laughs> There's so much rusted metal. <laughs> Like, remember all those half-buried cars we saw on the trails around town? Okay, so this one is quite a mystery. Yeah. You know, so one half-buried car, okay, weird. Two, we're like, huh, double take. (laughs) But then we keep running into them, and they're on various trails. Yeah. The only thing that they all seem to have in common is they're all buried along the arroyos. So if you don't know what an arroyo is, because I didn't until we lived in Santa Fe, it's a dry uh, waterway that only fills up seasonally. So my hunch is that there was a flood in the area and the cars got washed down the arroyos and that's why they're all buried out there. But that's just a hunch. I mean, I like that idea because it feels like it had to be some type of disaster or they built Santa Fe over another town in the 1960s. Now, wait on. <laughs> okay. It's kind of coincidental. We're in part of country that sees, you know, aliens, UFOs, Area 51, somewhere mm-hmm. in this part of the country. So something might have happened. Now, I just don't see how someone could intentionally <laughs> bury that many cars. So I'm going with the alien theory, right? Yes. <laughs> and the, sorry, the thing that blows my mind is we keep finding more. Yes. There seems like an infinite number of random cars buried in the arroyos of Santa Fe. Yes. And I'm sounding a little crazy, so I'm going to put some pictures so you know. <laughs> <It's just laughs> yeah. weird. Uh, now, the idea of someone intentionally burying these cars is cracking me up. Right. Because that would be very tedious work indeed. But there was a big 1,000-year flood here in 2018. However, I'm not sure that that's the culprit because it seems like a lot of these cars are older. Like they have the curvy, you know, 1960s look to them. Total classic cars. Classic cars. So it was like another, another event must have washed these cars out. So if any of you know, please, please, please email us. Tell us the secret behind the half buried cars in the Santa Fe Arroyos. Yes. Please let us know. I'll actually give away a free NFT for the correct answer. That's right. Because I'm that curious. (laughs) You know, it's funny. He won't even know if it's the correct answer. So just any answer, you get a free NFT probably. Email us at hello at hop2.fm. Tell us your theory behind the cars and you get an NFT. It's easy. Easy. (laughs) We'll go with the best answer. Okay, the it, best. It can't be an alien uh, <laughs> or a town built over alien town or whatever. <laughs> it I can be if that's the best. <laughs> In a dramatic fashion. Now, I have to mention that even though I think I like Santa Fe, it feels strange here. Like energetically, it feels strange. Now, there's a bunch of static in the air and we had static on our sheets. It was kind of cool seeing the little storm clouds mm-hmm. you know, in the dark <laughs> when you wave the sheets. But I was actually feeling like more of an energetic uh, heaviness, like wearing a wet blanket on my shoulders the whole yeah. time. I'm with you. Well, first of all, that static. I just got to <laughs> add like, wow, I've had 
you know, static electricity in Colorado. I forgot about it when we moved to California because right. it doesn't happen there. When you have humidity. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but here, like I'm standing six inches away from a wall and the static just jumps out and grabs me. It, it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? And then, you know, to that comment about like the odd charge in the air i've been way moodier than normal here and i'm not like one who's prone to kind of depressive tendencies but more days than not i've been feeling really like down and so i've been like trying to blame it on all sorts of things like it's been really windy here i hate wind that's one of my least favorite weather patterns so like maybe i'm tired because i'm tired and sad because it's windy or maybe it's because it's like pre spring right now and all the trees are brown and bare and there's nothing pretty to look at that doesn't help or maybe it's the fact that we've been traveling for like four months now maybe this is getting exhausting i'm just not sure whether to blame santa fe or one of these other factors well we have been traveling a long time now so that's a good point we might just be getting tired but I blame Santa Fe. <laughs> Given Jerry's the choice. Out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now, like in my experience in some places, they just have a feel, right? Like being in New Orleans, there's that feel. You're in New York City, there's that feel. Like certain places have that. So I'm really trying to like use my Reiki training to help me kind of sense these vortexes that are happening around. And so far, I have to say, there is something kind of ancient and complicated about Santa Fe. Yeah. I mean, Santa Fe is definitely old. It's the oldest capital city in the United States. And they have buildings here that were built in the 1600s when the first Spanish settlers arrived. And there's even stuff here from the 1400s back from indigenous cultures. So, you know, I don't know. It's old. (laughs) does that mean it's gonna make me feel moody and another weird thing about santa fe and i don't know again i'm like do i blame this on the city or not but my hands have been aching here i have never had aching in my hands Mm. both of them and i don't know what that's all about i might just be getting old like the city you know (laughs) old and arthritic but it feels more energetic to me Right. Now, this environment is harsh and it's kind of completely different than what we're used to. So, you know, maybe that's part of it, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm surprised at all the crystals and beautiful rocks that I find on the trails here, like awesome smoky quartz, rose quartz galore. I found so many, but I had to limit myself (laughs) to just keeping one. (laughs) It was so hard. Yeah. I don't want to start driving rocks around in Luna, right? <laughs> Wasting gas. We don't have room for rocks. <laughs> Amen. And would those be moon rocks? They would be lunar <laughs> rocks, technically, I ah. think. <laughs> <laughs> right close. Oh, man. But, you know, you are pretty difficult to hike with these days because you <laughs> literally are just dragging behind looking at the ground yeah <laughs> it's up hard to look up every rock you pick oh this is the best one yet this is the best one yet they are beautiful they are these crystals are unbelievably beautiful so and i gotta say okay for the rocks we would be walking down a trail and there would be a vein of crystal going through the rocks under your feet up the side of the mountain yeah oh, it was wild it's unlike any place i've ever ever seen yeah never seen this many crystals 
Like this is stuff that you'd pay good money for in like yes. a apothecary in Oakland. <laughs> exactly. It was hard to look up because I was so busy looking down. I didn't want to miss anything. <laughs> yeah. The energy here has been so weird that I finally decided to Google it. And I did find one and only one article about the energy of Santa Fe. It was written by a spiritual practitioner from Santa Fe named Teal Swan. She wrote this really interesting piece describing the intense energy of Santa Fe as being an enigma. She says the enigma energy flows at a lower vibration and in Santa Fe is counteracted by the higher vibration energy of art. So her argument was like, the artists of Santa Fe come here because they have an enigma inside of them that they're trying to express through art. And okay. I thought that was just a beautiful article. And it really, really resonates with what we're feeling because we're feeling this heavy enigma here. Mm-hmm. And we're also feeling the bright, beautiful, amazing art. Right. I believe it. It's like they clash. Definitely confirm all that for sure. Yes. Now, I always wonder how much like the energy of a place has to do with the amount of crystal deposits that are in that place. Like, I don't have any proof for this, but I I bet you that high energy places have more mineral deposits like crystals. Mm. Now, fun fact, we are 33 miles from Los Alamos. Maybe it's the radiation. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be pretty uh, grim. (laughs) <laughs> crystals or radiation is that what we're choosing between <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> something's making me feel bad something's up <laughs> you know maybe the people here are trying to keep the ghosts and weird energies out with all of their walls i have never seen so many walls and tall fences in an american city before santa fe so it's kind of interesting because in harry dresden they actually put walls around the cemeteries to keep the ghost in. They're like a barrier. So, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. A little shout out to Harry Dresden. Uh, funny. Complete fiction. <laughs> now that you mentioned it, though, I remember one of those uh, other Airbnbs that we were going to choose was like in a gated community. Yeah. And at first that seemed a little weird. I was like, okay, gated. I don't know how that's going to work out, especially after our uh, Point Loma stay. Right. We decided we don't like being inside a big gated apartment complex. <laughs> yep. But it's kind of like all of Santa Fe has just a ton of gated communities and houses. So that's what we were getting into. Yeah, we sure <laughs> did. We had no idea that's what we were getting into, but we did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now it makes sense. And nobody here. Okay. I can't say nobody. Yeah. Most people do not have picket fences. Like I haven't seen one yet. No, me neither. <laughs> They have these solid mud or stone walls or like these other coyote fences. And the coyote fences were new to me. Like I've heard the coyotes out, but I didn't realize you had a special fence for coyotes. And I couldn't imagine needing a fence to keep out all these howling, yipping pack animals. That's nuts. It is wild. And we hear these coyotes many, many nights here. The sounds of the coyotes howling at night is so like... Again, like enigmatic and disturbing in a weird way. Um, And it increases the spook factor here for sure, especially for Oscar. Like he hears (laughs) them and he's like, oh my gosh, high alert, what's happening? 
And, you know, I was looking at a lot of listings in Santa Fe mm. and a lot of them mentioned their coyote fences as like a big selling point. It's like, we already have the fences. You're all set. You're safe from the coyotes. <laughs> and then we get here and sure enough, like if it's not an Adobe wall, it's a coyote fence. Yeah. And I'm like wondering where do they get all of the wood for these fences? It's so, so true. much. <laughs> <laughs> They're made out of these skinny gray poles. They're unfinished. They still have bark on them. And I had to look it up, but I guess they're made out of aspen saplings hmm. most of the time. And they're called Latia fences. Oh, neat. Yeah. Sounds so, cute. There you go. Latia fences. I thought it was interesting, too. They dig those things like eight inches into the ground. And those coyotes kind of sound like out of control dog packs to me when they're described. Yes. But luckily, you say they just chase small games, so a person like me should be safe if they're not too hungry. Yeah, they don't <laughs> go after people. I assume if they were rabid, that might change the story. But yeah, they don't <laughs> go after people. They will, however, chase your dog, and they mm. will kill your dog. And I've heard of this happening. So the recommendation is to keep your dog on leash because if the dog is close to the human, the coyotes are less likely to uh. bother the dog. I do, however, like to let Oscar run wild because he has to get his energy out and I yeah. move very slow. <laughs> um, so I would let him off leash at the Frank Ortiz dog park, which is our favorite, favorite spot to go in the area. Dopest dog park. <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> um, but I'm really grateful because we have not run into a pack of coyotes out there. It's, this is not like a normal dog park. This is a dog park that's surrounded by this massive desert forest. Yeah. And I keep expecting there to be coyotes around every corner. <laughs> right. Cause you can't see further than just the next corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's strange to use the word desert and forest in a sentence, but it's what they are. It's so true. Yeah. It's like a bunch of rolling hills and deep arroyos all covered with eight foot tall trees. It felt like a amusement park maze. Like, one minute I could see the mountains and the mesas and then we dip and then I was lost in trees and it was yeah. this strange, but fun terrain. Yeah. Really cool. Kept it, the hikes interesting. It was wild. I've never seen landscape like that before mm -hmm. ever. And you know, I'm pretty, uh, proficient hiker i hike a lot i have i've hiked in a lot of different environments but that one in particular was really kind of intimidating to me because mm. everything looks so same 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 and the trails are not like always really clearly marked so i felt like i had to be extra careful when i was wandering out there i usually yeah. tried to make like straight lines so that I didn't like get confused about where I was because otherwise it would be easy to go on a 40 year wander. Oh gosh. <laughs> right. And one day I even ran into a woman. I had been really cautious and careful the whole time I was hiking. And this woman comes out from behind the trees and she goes, Oh my gosh, I was just lost in there for oh, no. like the last hour. And then she says, well, luckily all paths here lead back to the Arroyo. But that does really confirm, like, you got to be careful out here. It's a maze for sure. Wow. Well, that was a good tip from her, too. Like, <laughs> if you do get lost, yeah, head for the Aurora. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Santa Fe had tons of natural mazes and man-made labyrinths. Like, I'm loving how Flagstaff and Santa Fe both have labyrinths in their parks. I don't remember seeing any in Fort Collins. Now, 
probably missed them, so can't fault Fort Collins for that. <laughs> yeah, they might have labyrinths. Who knows? Yeah. We walked this labyrinth, and it was so peaceful to stop the world and be one with myself. Like, this labyrinth in Frenchie's Park even had instructions nearby. Loved it. Yes. That labyrinth in Frenchie's Park was so beautiful and such a surprise. Like, I didn't have any idea we were going to run into it. But I love labyrinths, and I feel like they're really the perfect metaphor for life, especially right now, because we're wandering through a maze of cities, not sure where we're going more than a few steps or weeks ahead of us, (laughs) but we're still feeling confident that there's a destination ahead. And meanwhile, we're just enjoying the winding journey and taking in the sights as we go. Walking labyrinths in the park is peaceful. Traveling with you on the road is equally as peaceful (laughs) most days most days (laughs) for sure as long as we keep each other fed we're good (laughs) now it got me asking myself what other things do santa fans do and i stumbled over a festival that happens each fall in santa fe the entire town gathers in a park and burns a huge paper statue it's called zozabra (laughs) And it's wild. Zuzabra. I love it. (laughs) Isn't that cool? Yes. So we didn't get to go to this event, but it just feels like something worth talking about because it relates to a little bit of what what we're going through here. The event began in 1712 to celebrate an expedition by Don Diego de Vargas, who reconquered the territory of New Mexico. And the goal of the festival is to eradicate the gloom that has settled across the city. Zozabra actually translates to the gloomy one. And I kind of find that kind of funny because we've been talking about how gloomy we feel here. And I'm starting to think maybe we need to burn something. (laughs) Well, I'm happy that we're just not making this up. They know Zozabra is always around you here and I feel it. I wonder if the Pueblos have a similar type of ritual for that feeling. I wonder if it's as gloomy in the Pueblos as it is in Santa Fe. But it turns out we won't ever know the answer to that because we thought it would be an interesting day trip to visit a Pueblo. But when we started looking about how to go about doing that, it turns Mm -hmm. out there's severe limitations on outsiders visiting. They have like limited hours that outsiders are allowed. And some Pueblos don't even allow people who aren't indigenous at all. Yeah, it was kind of shocking and kind of not. Yeah. I really thought we could just roll in literally whenever we wanted, like traveling between cities, but that is not the case. The tribes have rules and they're kind of subject to change at any time for any reason. So even if it was supposed to be open, they could shut it down because there might be a ritual happening that day. It was eye-opening. Yeah, I think we're just going to have to add Pueblos to the pile of mysteries. They just keep adding up around here, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) They do. Now, strangely, I heard this word besiegement lately on the astrology podcast, and I feel that Santa Fe is just full of mini forts, like making it feel like a big fortress, right? Like all the walls, I can't see through anything. The streets feel more narrow because you just have the wall, the street, barely a sidewalk. And the lack of people out on the streets, like all this stuff kind of makes it feel besieged, just like they could seal it up at any moment. Yeah. And, you know, there's another place we've visited that also felt enigmatic. 
but I still came away from that experience feeling a little lighter and brighter. And that was our day trip to Chamayo, New Mexico. Yes, that church at Santuario de Chamayo was so cool. I was actually skeptical about it because they advertise healing dirt. Like, <laughs> I just about fell off my chair when our patio friends from Lechosa told us about healing dirt. Sure enough, I looked it up. About 30 minutes away, we could visit a church and their dirt. Yeah, that was intriguing. When they told us about this place, I was like, we <laughs> have to go. Right. The drive to Chimayo itself was epic. I could not believe my eyes when we saw that crowd of people walking along the highway. Mm -hmm. It was funny because you were like, oh my gosh, there's so many people. We're still pretty far from this church. <laughs> That's probably because there's no parking at the church and they're all like parking along the highway and making the big pilgrimage. Yeah, it looked like a <laughs> festival, like walking down the street. But it turns out that these people were literal pilgrims. So the group we saw was a group of about 12 pilgrims and they were making a pilgrimage probably from as far away as Albuquerque, maybe as close as Santa Fe. But they were going to Santuario de Chamayo holding a giant cross on their shoulders. I have never seen such a sight. I felt completely transported. Like, where are we? This is not anywhere that I imagined I'd see in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And they didn't seem like your average pilgrims. These are the devout, don't mess with me kind. Like Once I got an idea for what we were looking for, it was easier to spot the devotion in the devotees. It's amazing that people make that walk with only their rosaries and no water. That's incredible. Yeah. Just super impressed. There's so much sun out there. Yeah. And well, we weren't walking, but there was also something very reverent about the drive to Chimayo. The views were breathtaking and the solitude out there was just so intense. Yeah. The mesas. Uh, it would make a great pilgrimage. And did you notice all the crosses that dotted like the canyons and the sides of the roads as we got closer to the uh, Santuario de Chimayo? Yes. At first I thought they were, you know, um, memorials for people who had like gotten in car accidents along the road. Yeah. But then I noticed that they were like perched up on these high hills too. And they had like messaging and it just seemed like little places of worship perhaps. Yeah. Oh, it had to be. I was really starting to get worried about it being a dangerous drive because people put up memorials when somebody dies on the side of a road or something. Yeah. And so seeing so many of those, I was starting to like really check my own driving because I'm like, okay, maybe there's something I don't know. And then that's when it was like, oh, okay, wait, this is going with the pilgrimages. Ah, I see. Yeah. We are in like some major holy territory right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amen. Oh, and then when we actually rolled up on the church, I was so happy because we had beaten the crowds. I'd read a few reviews that said that the place could get really crowded, but we had no trouble parking and it seemed like we were one of the first people there. Yeah, the church grounds felt like no one was there. It was a perfect place for a few folks or like many people, as we noticed as <laughs> towards the end. Yeah. People were showing up and we're trying to leave. Yeah. And they can hold a worship in this outdoor space. Like, if there isn't a service, this place looks like a beautifully shaded and Christian park full of statues. But if there is a service, I mean, they could fill it up easily. Yeah, it was so beautiful. And people would put up little crosses again with the crosses that were everywhere. Oh, yeah. They were like bound to the fences, uh, you know, tacked to the trees. It just seemed like people really came with a lot of devotion. And so 
Okay. Yes. I got to mention too, as the first time I saw a cross made out of a mask, made out of two masks. Oh, wow. People got so inventive. There's a cross made of toothbrush, like, yeah, the it's toothbrush almost, and pen cross was yeah. my personal favorite. I'm like, you got to do what you got to do. You forgot your cross. Hey, Red. Let's make one. <laughs> they did that whole pilgrimage. What, you kind of go back to the house. Ah, oh, I forgot the rosary. No, it's like, make what I can. Yeah, that outdoor area was beautiful. And, you know, that was only the first stop on our way to the inside of the church. And I have mm-hmm. a confession to make. Mm-hmm. I am a bit of a witchy... <laughs> Jewish vampire kind of person. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a fear that if I cross into a Catholic church, mm. I will burn up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I've, many times I've been in Europe doing cathedral tours and I always get like this like little jolt of fear right before I walk into the threshold because I don't feel like I belong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this was not made for me or my yeah. people. But this place, somehow, it felt so welcoming, so lovely, so peaceful. And, you know, I think maybe the cherry blossoms on the trees, the running river, the magical vibe of the exterior, I just instantly loved it. I felt so at home and so welcome there. Yeah. The blossoms were the cherry on top of this experience. (laughs) You did not. (laughs) Yes, did it. And the entire area is like manicured, perfect for visitors. And when we showed up, the nature was just popping. Everything was blooming and blossoming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have the best pictures of the cherry blossom. So got to check out our newsletter or it'll be somewhere. Yeah. Newsletter, socials. Heck we'll, yeah. We'll post that stuff up. Yeah. Because the trees just were so epic that day. And it even reminded me of being in D.C. Like very few places I see with cherry blossoms that epic. and. It was just like D.C. in spring. Oh. Yeah. And let's just like zoom out a little bit. The town of Chimayo, it's just surreal. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, these church grounds are amazing. But the town itself is like this one little road, dirt road that goes through this tiny town. And it feels like stepping into an old town in Mexico with beautiful architecture. And there's this colorful imagery, just like paintings of like chilies. And I don't remember what other paintings, but it was really colorful and vivid. And I was surprised to discover that there were actually a cluster of three different churches in the town. So we were there for the Santuario, Mm -hmm. which is the well-known one. But there were two other smaller side churches that we could go into. Yeah, I didn't even recognize that those churches were there until we started walking around. So it's like anywhere with healing dirt and three chapels in it is a destination to be held. For sure. (laughs) We actually just got lucky. It wasn't that busy. Now, because it wasn't that busy, we got full run of all the churches and the grounds. Like It felt epic to be up close to these old buildings like that without any crowds. So it was like, we just get it all to ourselves. Yeah, so lucky. I mean, we just found out about this place. We showed up and it was like the most amazing experience. Open and welcoming. And that feeling of being there alone was especially cool because we got to go into the chapels and they were completely empty. And that was a really vivid experience for me when I went into the Santo Nino Chapel, also known as the Children's Chapel. And when I walked in, there's this little room off to the side that would have been easy to overlook. But I ducked in there and I started crying because 
I looked up and there was children's shoes all over the ceilings, all over the walls. And I just felt like very moved. And I didn't really know why the shoes were there. Yeah. But I did look up later that apparently people bring articles of their children's clothing, especially when they're praying for these children for whatever reason. And so the clothes are an exchange for an answer to their prayers. Nice. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. And these were like baby shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Baby shoes. <laughs> Tons of just tiny baby shoes. It was breathtaking. I actually took a little extra time to soak it in. It was just so breathtaking. And that many children's shoes and their pictures. I mean, all I could do was just hope that some of these people were actually able to, you know, extend their lives a bit and just have a happier time because it's not a memorial. So it wasn't that people came here praying over the dead. Yeah. You know? They were trying to bring some happiness to their loved ones yeah, who so. are still living. And that's a good point. There was just pictures of people everywhere. So that's another ritual that people were performing was they would yeah. bring someone that they're praying for, put them on the wall. And so you just have these panels and panels of, of human faces. Yeah. Throughout the whole grounds, not even just that little church. Like, yeah. The pictures were everywhere. So as the finale for our visit, we finally finally found out where the healing dirt was hidden. It was not immediately obvious. That was the main reason we'd gone there. Yeah. And we almost left without seeing it. <laughs> so true. There's so many things to see. And that was the funniest part. You would think it would be surrounded by like neon signs or something that was like huge, epic, right? And it was like the last thing we find. And I, I like respect them for this. Santuario yeah. de Chamayo, thank you. Because it's even like better that it's so open and just understated. Just you go in there, they have an open collection box. You can put your donations in there. It, it was beautiful, just all around beautiful. Yeah, it felt really humble. Yeah. Like they had this amazing holy resource that they truly, truly believe in. And it was just so humble and presented in, in such a beautiful way. And accessible. Anybody who needed the healing dirt could come in there. Yeah. Yeah, the entrance to the healing dirt was on the side of the main chapel. So you walk into a narrow and dimly lit passageway and along the walls you'll find crutches. And apparently the crutches were left behind by people who came in on crutches, touched the healing dirt and were miraculously healed. Wow. So that's the story there. And there's also like letters from visitors who are talking about like, overcoming serious illnesses after the healing dirt experience. It's just such a cool spot. Um, at the end of the passage, there's this little doorway, which you have to stoop to get through. And then when you're in, you're in this little square room. It's not that big. You could probably maybe fit four people in there comfortably. Yeah. And in the center of the room is a little hole. Again, it's very humble. It's like mm whatever like this is the healing dirt okay so there's this little hole with a garden shovel yep and i don't know about you we went in separately because we couldn't bring in oscar mm. so when i went in i waited till it was empty there was just one woman ahead of me i went in and i just knelt by the hole i picked up some dirt with the shovel put it in my hand like felt the texture of it and sent a little prayer out and it felt really good yeah it was kind of funny not funny but I was behind a couple people and the first lady 
She came in. She had bags for everybody, like all her people. She comes <laughs> out of there like, here's a bag for you, son. Here's a bag for you, daughter. Everybody's clutching a bag of dirt. Aww. And then I was behind another set of ladies, and they just pull out a Ziploc bag and start filling it up with dirt. I just didn't know what to expect. I had never been to a place I had healing dirt and it was open so I was just kind of shocked I was like yes just come grab what you need and uh that's beautiful that's just exactly what you need so for me I took a few moments just commune with the ancestors prayed for them prayed to them put my fingers in the dirt yeah it's really nice it was peaceful oh that's so funny I never would have thought to bring the dirt home no but it makes sense I mean especially if you were on a pilgrimage and you go all this way I think you'd want a little souvenir. <laughs> okay. I got to say Catholics and Christians aren't notorious for giving you stuff just because you walk there. So <laughs> to be able to get to a place like this and take it with you. Yeah. No question. Blown. Like try to go to uh, Canterbury mm. and take a little something from Canterbury. They're not going to get out. Right. So <laughs> it was cool. It was refreshing. It was. I loved it. Um, so I'm going to read an excerpt now from an article I found about the legend behind Santuario de Chamayo. So it's not very long, but I felt like I couldn't do it justice by trying to retell the story on my own. Um, first of all, you should know that this holy site dates back to the 12th century, and it was a holy site for the indigenous population as well. But this story I'm going to read it talks about the Spanish experience with it. And this happened uh, in the 1800s. Okay. Mm. Also, I will include a link in the show notes if you want to read the whole story. So as the legend goes, in 1810, a member of the local penitente order was performing his rites when he saw a light emanating from a hillside near the Santa Cruz River. As he approached the light, he was surprised to discover that it was originating from beneath the ground. He started to dig and found a rather large crucifix bearing a black Christ. He left the Cristo sticking out of the ground and ran back to get his brothers so that they could perform the appropriate benedictions. The crucifix, known as Nuestro de Señor de Esquipulas, or the Black Christ of Esquipulas, was instantly considered highly sacred, and was brought to the nearby church at Santa Cruz in a ceremonial procession and placed in the high altar. The next day, the Cristo was gone and was eventually found exactly where it came from in the same hole. This happened three times before the priests, wary of making the procession from Chimayo to Santa Cruz, decided instead of moving the cross, they would just build a small chapel over the hole where the crucifix was found. <laughs> nice. That is cool. Don't you love that it's a black Christ? I do. It, <laughs> it just spins my mind because I'm like, all right, was it like made out of black wood? Were yeah. they like worshiping black Christ? You know, we always <laughs> had black baby Jesus. So <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> it's another mystery to me. I would have to dig deeper to figure out what the signification is there yeah it was interesting when we got ready to leave like i felt like i had just had the best spa day ever yeah my energy was just all relaxed and i could just like sleep next to the river i felt so just blissed out it was cool 
I agree. I actually felt as yummy and good as the day that we went to the Avila Hot Springs in Pismo Beach. Yep. Also, I really felt like my perspective of Catholicism changed a little bit too. Um, I, re- I really felt like they were tapping into an energy that feels really similar to how I feel during my best meditations and practices. Well, I agree with that. There's a ton of debate over spirituality but I just believe it's essentially the same. Santa Fe has been a place of mystery, intrigue, and enigma. Don't forget dust storms and hailstorms too. What's next, Santa Fe? I wonder how Santa Fe is going to score on our rating system. That feels like a big mystery to me right now. In a week, all mysteries will be solved. Stay tuned. That's next time. If you like us and want to hear more, please rate and follow wherever you listen to podcasts. Bonus points if you tell two friends. You know how these things start. One friend tells another friend about us. And And they they tell tell two friends. And they they tell their their friends. And and so on and and so on. There's something strange in the neighborhood. Who you gonna call? (laughs) Zozabra. It took a while. (laughs) Nice. Okay. I'm ready. Mm Mm-hmm. And now for a campfire story. Early on in life, I learned to walk my own path, march to the beat of my own drum. Every week while growing up, I worshiped God. Whether I was with my dad, mom, or grandmother, we worshiped. Worship never looked the same with any of these adults. My dad is a JW. He was a Jehovah's Witness who would worship three times a week. Everyone expects a Sunday worship, but my dad made sure we did a Wednesday Bible study and Saturday door-to-door. Now, door-to-door is when we knock on a stranger's door to offer them the Watchtower magazine and a few verses from the King James Bible. Now, my mom would make sure to worship all the major Catholic holidays. Christmas Midnight Mass in New York City's St. Patrick's Cathedral was our most memorable large gathering. Walking those cold streets of New York City in the middle of the winter, surrounded by folks overflowing with Christmas cheer and joy, was just amazing. That is a part of the reason that I love New York City at Christmas time. Now, my great-grandmother, Miss Cora Lewis, and her daughter, Winifred Smith, were no-nonsense Catholics. Grandma went to church every Sunday, period. They didn't miss a day, and they knew everyone at church. I would dress up in my best clothes and sit quietly until Mass was over. Even to this day, when I hear the call and responses at church, all the words come flooding back to me. Years of diligent worship programmed the service directly into my consciousness. I guess I'll never forget, even after all these years of being a practicing pagan shaman. Personally, I'm polytheistic. I believe in more than one supreme being. I'm tolerant of all faiths that are good in nature. And I still go to church when it's appropriate for weddings and funerals. I'm okay with bowing my head at dinner to observe my friend's faith. And I love being embraced by my family members who have beliefs I don't because they love me all the same. As I work with shamanism and Reiki energy techniques, I can feel the spirit and the highly vibrational energy in all those forms of worship. In Reiki, that goodwill and positive vibe 
comes from a place called the source. I connect with the source through my meditation and exercise and my diet. Humans are diverse and so are the ways that we worship. So pray under flags on a mountain or kneel at church. I rather focus on how we're similar in spirit instead of shunning another because of the way they worship their higher power.